0: The following sermon was recorded from the worship service of Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. May God use the reading and preaching of his word to accomplish his purposes in your life. Thanks for listening. Well, I'd invite you to open up your Bible to the book of Nehemiah uh you know you know that the meaning of scripture does not change over time like what it means what the text says and what it means is set by God but praise be to God that there are times and you've experienced this probably haven't you where where you've read a passage where the passage hasn't changed it's remained the same what it means is remains the same, but you've read a passage that you've maybe read multiple times before, but this time as you read it, all of a sudden it's like God has done something different in you. Maybe it's because of your experiences, whatever you're going through at the time, and God's Word speaks to you right where you're at. And I love how God does that, not just when we're studying the Bible on our own, but even as I kind of do this regular weekly expository preaching, I often decide a long time ahead of time, we just go through books of the Bible. I decided we were going to go through a Nehemiah last year at about this time. So like a year in advance, I thought, you know, in the weeks leading up to Christmas in 2020, I want to go through the book of Nehemiah. So, so that's just a decision that I had made after praying and just seeking God's will in that. Of course, I didn't know that a pandemic was going to be coming here and affecting us in the way that it did. So I was struggling uh, on Monday. I've struggled a lot of times during this pandemic, and I was struggling on Monday of last week, just this past week on Monday. Leading during the pandemic has been hard, uh, and so we're just praying and taking in information trying to make decisions and knowing that no matter what we decide, there's going to be people that think that probably wasn't the best decision. So on Monday morning, I, here's what I wrote in my prayer journal. I'm just going to put it up on the screen. Uh, so I wrote in my prayer journal on Monday morning, God, would you help us to make decisions that are wise, Christ-honoring, and others-loving? What would you have us do this week? A lot of times when I pray, I, I usually make statements rather than ask questions, but I just wrote that question in my prayer journal. Like, what do you want us to do this week? Help me to be a humble and wise leader motivated by the right things. And sometimes God answers prayer a long time down the road, and sometimes it's right away. It just so happened that on Monday afternoon, I had some time to get studying for the passage this week and opened up my Bible to Nehemiah chapter three and four. And God answered my prayer right away that afternoon. My Monday morning prayer answered in Monday afternoon by opening up the Word of God and reading from Nehemiah chapter 4. And so this was helpful for me this week. I hope it's helpful for you as we look at it. Last week we left off at the end of chapter 2. So we are going through Nehemiah chapter 3 and Nehemiah chapter 4. Really briefly, what happened in Nehemiah chapter 1 was just this. There was a bad report about how things were going for God's people in Jerusalem. Nehemiah cared about that, but he lived 900 miles away. So he weeps and he mourns, he fasts and he prays for days. Eventually, in chapter 2, God gives him the opportunity with the king's blessing and even some, some, some resources from the king to leave where he's at and go and get a group of people together to do the work of rebuilding the wall. So he makes the journey to Jerusalem 900 miles away and begins doing some scouting work and then some recruiting work. All of this just kind of comes together because we noticed last week the reason was the good hand of God was upon him. He prayed and God answered and it was clear that God's good hand was upon him and so he's going to do some work. And so that's what we saw in chapters 1 and 2. Now today we look at chapters 3 and 4. What I'm actually going to do is just summarize chapter 3. Because if you open up your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 3, you will see a long list of names and areas of a wall that were being repaired. Um, and so we're going to go through that, but not reading chapter 3 word for word. You can do that on your own. Uh, but we're going to focus most of our time on chapter 4, but not ignoring at all chapter 3 because it's super important. So uh, here's the big idea today. big idea is this. When God's people face threats while working together, they do not fear, but they pray. Remember God's greatness and make plans to protect themselves so they can continue working together to accomplish God's purposes. You see how this was really helpful for me even this week and how applicable this seemed to be for our current circumstances? Let's go ahead and take a look at Nehemiah chapter 3. Actually, quick, I think we have a couple of pictures that Dave can put up on the screen. Um, there we go. So last week I mentioned one of the spots that they were needing to repair, in which we can read about this in chapter 3. There was a group of people assigned to uh, various areas of the wall and various gates. So Mark Guy and his wife Linda and Denny and Leanne were in Jerusalem like a year or two ago and took a picture of the dung gate. So he sent the picture to me this week. So this is not that because. They built this 2,400 years ago under Nehemiah, so that's not the same one. It's been redone since then, uh, but that's the same spot, I think, uh, where the dung gate was rebuilt 2,400 years ago when Nehemiah did it. Okay, so real places, this is the city of Jerusalem that they're going to. Um, so I just thought you want to see that picture. But here's the outline that we're going to see in this book, in these two chapters at least. Work, threat, pray then back again. Work, threat, pray, but then there's going to be some other things added to the prayer the second time around. So that's what we're going to look at today. So chapter 3 lays out uh, a bit about what the work looked like. So at the end of chapter 2, a group of people was recruited. We're going to rebuild this wall. In chapter 3, we have a list that Nehemiah wrote. Now, I think Again, every part of this is the very Word of God written on purpose to show that many different kinds of people came together under Nehemiah's leadership in order that this task would be accomplished. Lots of different kinds of people. So if you read through chapter 3, you'd notice that rulers... Of different areas came together along with servants of different people coming together one guy even brought his daughters with him so it's almost all men it seems working but one guy brought his daughters with him and so there's this great mix of people all together working on various sections of the wall and Nehemiah takes us through it systematically in chapter 3 basically goes counterclockwise around the city And so here's who worked on this section, and next to them were these guys, and then it was these guys, and that's what you read all through chapter 3. Now, does everything go perfectly? No. When you're doing a project, you've done this at your house. You can't even get along with your spouse well when you're trying to do a project together at your house. You've got all these different people from all these different places trying to work together. It doesn't always go smoothly. In fact, you can read in chapter 5 something about... uh, this one group, uh, next to them, the Techoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Okay? So there are some people like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to stoop and do that job. You've been on a crew probably where you have somebody who's kind of like that. Like, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Let's well, leave it to everybody else. Right? So it didn't all go perfectly. But, I mean, we, we can think of times in our own life. When I was reading through chapter 3, what I actually thought of was this. Uh, in 1997... Uh, I lived in Montevideo, Minnesota, which is where I grew up, and there was a significant threat that came to our town. Uh, we, We lived where the Chippewa and Minnesota rivers come together, and there was about to be, it was April, end of March, early April, and there was about to be some significant flooding. And so, so the National Guard came in, uh, news crews, everybody's coming from like all over the state to help put up a sandbag wall around the city water treatment plant, uh, one whole addition in town, everybody had to be evacuated, they're trying to save downtown, all of this different stuff, but it was something that brought together all sorts of different kinds of people, Right? Because there was a task that needed to be done, so all kinds of people are coming together to get that done. That's what we read about. And there was a system. It wasn't just like random, let's see what happens. Somebody was in charge of saying, this needs to be done here, you go there, you go there, getting the crew kind of working. And that's what Nehemiah's role was. And so chapter 3 just tells us, here's how the work got done. So, that's what we see in chapter 3. People working together. Now, as we turn to chapter 4, we're going to see the first threat. We'd kind of been clued in about this. We kind of knew this was coming when we read in chapters 1 and 2, and we, he was mentioning this guy named Sanballat, who eventually would be like a governor of an area, of Samaria. We don't know if he was governor yet at this point, but he's a man with significant influence, and he doesn't like the fact that they're rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. So, that's where we pick it up here in chapter Let's look at verses one through three. Now, when Sambalot heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, "What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves?" Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish and burn ones at that? So he's just, he's just making fun of them, finding anything he can to just kind of taunt them and mock them. Like, what, what do, they, do they think they're really going to pull this off, these guys? Right? And then in verse 3, the bully gets a buddy. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Right? These guys don't even know what they're doing. That's not super encouraging when you're working hard on a project together, but there's people that want to see the work stop. All right? So what are God's people going to do? Is it time to fight back? Do you stoop to their level? Like here, they are making fun of you. Do you start making fun of them? Do you like mock back at them? Do you have some great comeback uh, so that you can kind of show them you're pretty witty and you can beat them with words too? Is that what they're going to do? Let's look at verse 4. Hear, O God, for we are despised turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So they didn't take this, this, these people making fun of them, they didn't take it as like a personal attack and go on the defensive and start attacking back. What did they do when they got threatened? They prayed. They prayed to God, and in praying to God, they did ask that, that God would recognize that, that their sin, what they were doing, wasn't ultimately against the Jewish people. It was against God who had made this plan for this city to be rebuilt. And so they're saying, God, you're, you're, they, they've stoked your anger, so give back to them what they've given us. They made us captives in their land, now you make them captives. Rather than responding with a good comeback, they respond to the threat with prayer. All right. So you see the cycle one. They've been working, a threat came up, and they responded with prayer. Now what's going to happen in verse 6? Let's take a look. Verse 6, So we built the wall. I love that. I love the way Nehemiah writes. Just like so so here's what they were doing. We prayed, and then verse six, so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. Okay? So they had made some significant progress. The walls and gates that were all torn down, the wall was all together now, all linked together, all up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Okay? They were not going to give up working together just because they were being threatened by this man and the army behind him. That wasn't going to stop them. But there's another threat. I told you it's kind of a cycle. Work, threat, prey. Work, uh, another threat. Verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, now the group has grown, heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. Now listen to this. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Okay, So the threat... that before just sounded like words has now been a threat that's turned into swords. Okay, We're not just going to make fun of them anymore. We're going to make a plot to come and fight against them. Okay, So it's escalating a little bit. The threat has suddenly become a bit more serious. So what did they do the first time there was a threat? They were working. They got a threat. What did they do? They prayed. Then they got back to work. There was another threat, this time more serious, Are they going to pray again? Let's take a look. Verse 9. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. They prayed to God and they set a guard as a protection against them Day and night. You know, I I was looking at that this week and just saying, hey, look at that. It's not that you either pray and trust God or you make a plan and take action. Right? Both. They prayed to God and they set a guard, somebody to watch to, to make sure that this threat didn't turn into something more than just a threat. That the plot didn't get started. That the plot didn't get enacted in some way. I think the principle that we can see there is this. That we pray and we work. There's faith and there's action. There's divine sovereignty. God's going to do what God's going to do. And personal responsibility. We see both of those all throughout scripture. So here's what we see in verse 9. They prayed and they set a guard. Now, if we're following the cycle from the first time, it's work, threat, pray, work, threat, pray, and now there's going to be a bit more that gets added on to that praying. It's also setting a guard, and then there's more yet. These verses 9 to 14 is what was really helpful for me this week. Verse 10. In Judah it was said... The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. So here's what we're going to see in verses 10 to 12. There's going to be a test of their perseverance. We're going to see a perseverance test here in verses 10 to 12. First, the, 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 the test comes from inside. It's the people doing the work who are saying... <laughs> You can't do this. This is hard. We can't pull this off we can't rebuild it. That's in verse 10. And then in verse 11, there's a perseverance test when they find out what's happening on the outside. Look at verse 11. And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Do you get why they'd maybe want to give up, why this is a perseverance test here? (laughs) I mean, they've got their own people who are working like, hey, we can't do this. This is too hard. And then you've got these people out here. They want to stop the work so bad they're willing to kill them in order to make the work stop. Wouldn't this be a good good time to just say, all right, uh, I give my two-week notice, uh, (laughs) effective two weeks ago, right? I'm done. I quit. We just giving up? And there's more. Look at the next verse, verse 12. Talk about a perseverance test. Verse 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. These are, these are family, extended family and friends of theirs, other Jewish people living outside Jerusalem. Remember, these workers are coming from all the surrounding region. And now their extended family and, and friends, they're coming to them saying, ten times over, you've got to come back home. This is a dangerous spot. You can't be working here. You must return to us. So you feel the pressure on them to just give up? The people are tired. They're just worn out. We can't do this. They're, they're, they're under threat of being killed. They could die. And then they have family and friends who are saying, just don't do it. Give up on this. All right, so what are they going to do? That's a lot of pressure. People are tired. The threat's becoming very real and very serious, even life-threatening. Some people want to just give up. Is he going to have them give up? not the kind of leader that Nehemiah is. Look at verse 13. They're going to put a protection plan in place. Verse 13. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. That's not what they had signed up for. They signed up for helping to build a wall, right? But a very real threat has come, and all of a sudden, stuff that seems so simple, like let's just keep building this wall, now all of a sudden they're having to arm themselves with swords and spears and bows. They need to protect themselves and those that are in the city. Can you imagine? I mean, wouldn't you have been scared if this was you? Like, I, I didn't even know how to build a wall very well. I'm just learning how to build a wall. And now you're telling me there's people who want to kill me while I'm building the wall. And so I'm not supposed to just hold a shovel. Now I got to have a spear and I got to have a sword and I got to have a book. This is scary. And so look what Nehemiah does in verse 14. He's such a good leader. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah saying, don't be afraid. Now, he's not saying the threat's not real. In fact, he's making them all get armed in order to protect themselves from the very real threat. But he's telling them, don't be afraid. Here's what I want you to remember. Here's what you need to keep in mind. The Lord, our God, he is great and he is awesome. That threat, that's real, that's serious, but it's nothing compared to our great and awesome Lord. And he also says fight, not primarily concerned about themselves, but fight for your brothers, for your sisters, for your wife. Fight for others, right? You see how I saw this as a Monday afternoon answer to my Monday morning prayer? You see how God's word is relevant to our times? Because I think about our situation just all together, really. We're facing a threat. Maybe there's some who don't want to acknowledge that it seems like much of a threat, but it is a very real threat. We're trying to continue to do the work we're doing. What can we learn from Nehemiah chapter 4? I think a few things. One, we need to pray more. Not just when we gather, but when we're alone as well. Maybe we just failed to pray enough about this. Taking all sorts of precautionary measures, but remember what they did in verse 9. Let's pray and set a guard, both. Not just setting a guard, not just, you know, keeping distance and wearing a mask and washing your hands, but also praying more. Let's persevere, too. You know, I think of that that test they saw in verses 10 through 12. Just remember people were like, I'm tired of this. I can't do this. Aren't you tired of this? I'm tired of this. I'm I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm tired of the way it messes everything up. I'm tired of it. I want to just give up, but I think there's work that needs to still be done. There is a real threat out there, and so we gotta acknowledge that, but let's not act like we're defeated even though it sometimes feels like we are. Let's persevere. We'll make a plan to protect one another just like Nehemiah did, right? Here's our plan, you know. Aren't you thankful that, that with this real threat, which is potentially deadly, we don't have to arm ourselves with swords and spears and bows. I mean, maybe some of the boys think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but, I mean, what we're arming ourselves with is like soap and masks and hand sanitizer, right? That, that's how we're fighting this threat. It's not quite as serious as the threat that they were facing, maybe. But we make a plan to protect one another just like they did. And, and then that, that plea that Nehemiah had, and I want to be a leader like Nehemiah who can look at the people and say, there's a real threat, we're making a plan, but don't fear that. Remember the Lord our God who is great and awesome. That's why I hope you keep like, watching online, we keep get, getting together in whatever way we can, we keep encouraging one another. How do you remember? How do you do that? How do you remember that the Lord is great and awesome? I think we often need to be reminded by other people. That's part of what we do in the body of Christ. Because it's so easy for us to kind of just, we we go off on our own and do it, and we forget. And we need people who are going to remind us that the Lord is great and awesome. right? Maybe maybe it's songs do that for you. Maybe you you open up God's word, and and you're reminded that God is great and awesome. Maybe for you, it's also songs. That's one of the reasons we sing together. And I know you're missing out on that in doing the online worship service or being here. But on Sunday morning, we're going to keep singing together. Because singing is a way in which we are reminded that the Lord our God is great and awesome. How do you remember that the Lord our God is great and awesome? And why do we need to do all that? Why do we need to have a protection plan in place? And why do we need to continue to pray? Why do we need to persevere even when we don't feel like it's... Why do we need that? So we can keep doing the work because the work's important, that's what they were doing. This cycle of work, threat, pray, work, threat, pray, plus persevere, plus protection plan, plus plea, you know, all that stuff. It ends with working again. Because there's still a goal. Our church, we're still trying to know Christ and make him known. Like, the pandemic doesn't stop that work from happening, right? And this very real threat coming up against them, that wasn't, that wasn't going to stop them from continuing the work that God had given them to do. It's just going to look different. Right? That's what's happening for us. The work looks different, but we got to keep doing it. How many of you would say that in the job that you have, the job that you have, everything we do now, it seems, looks different. School looks a lot different. Right? Work looks a lot different. Everything looks a lot different. Shopping looks a lot different. The way we do church looks a lot different, and it's much less convenient and fun than it used to be. We gotta keep doing it. Even though it's a new way. Well, let's go ahead and just look at the end of this a little more quickly. But I want us to hear verses fifteen through twenty three. Says this When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. So they're doing it again. Work, threat, pray, and they're back to work again. Verse sixteen. From that day on, listen to how inconvenient this is. This is very inefficient. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Their their workforce just got cut in half because of the threat. They had to do something to protect themselves against the threat. Now the workforce is cut in half. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other. they got to go get supplies outside of the walls. So instead of using both hands to carry the load, they're carrying everything in one hand and a sword in the other hand. This is super inconvenient. Makes all the work get done a lot more slowly. Verse 18. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. You have a spot in your tool belt for a sword? Well, they figured it out, I guess. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said, so so Nehemiah is right out in the thick of it. Why is there a guy with a trumpet there? Verse 19, And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Okay? If, there's a, if the threat is becoming real in one spot, they're going to let the alert go out by sounding the trumpet so that everybody can get together, dropping what they're doing on the wall and, and making sure that threat doesn't, doesn't uh, penetrate the city walls. And then this great confidence. Nehemiah is always doing this. Here's what he says. Our God will fight for us. That's where his confidence is in. It's not in the trumpets, the swords, and the spears, though those are necessary. His confidence is that God will fight for them. And then the chapter ends this way. So we, this is verse 21. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Like, we worked overtime. (laughs) Nobody got to go home. And it was super in like. We didn't even get to change our clothes. just kept everything on. Got a sword here, trying to work here, trying to lead all this. But they knew the work needed to continue. Keep working together in a new way. Church, I just want to encourage us. This was encouraging to me when I was feeling discouraged on Monday morning. I came to God's word. And God made it clear, like, we, we need to press on. There's important work to do. Yes, it's inconvenient. Are you going to whine and complain about it? Or are you just going to figure out a new way to do it? Are you going to pray? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to fear this? Or are you going to put your trust in me? Man, it would be nice to go back to life as usual, wouldn't it? Does the threat of this virus slow us down right now? Yep. These threats alter how the work is done for now? Yep. Are we going to allow these threats to stop the work? No. So we pray. We set a guard. We pay attention to what's happening around us. Sick of hearing about numbers, but we pay attention. We persevere. We're tired. There's a lot of pressures on us, but we keep going. We make a protection plan. And we don't give up, but we fight for those that we love and we choose rather than fearing the threat, which is real and serious, we choose instead to train our minds to more often remember the Lord and how great and how awesome He is. And we keep working, doing what God calls us to do, building it up one brick at a time. So there's a lot of things we just don't know, right? Right? We don't know how all this is going to affect, you know, is there, is there going to be a, another big surge in the virus? How, how is this going to affect our economy? How is it going to affect what's going to happen at school? We don't know if we're going to get it or not, if it will be mild or severe, if we'll have to go to the hospital or not. We, just, we don't know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is what propels us to persevere. Why do we press on? Because there's some stuff that we do know for sure. And rather than have me read to you from Romans 8 to remind us of that, we're going to have Amber Barrick do that uh, via video. She, like I said, she got to, had to go back into the hospital, but I asked her if she would do this for us. And so uh, for her, you know, thinking about her situation where she's at, 30 years old, been dealing with leukemia for a year, spent a lot of the last weeks now in the hospital, she doesn't know if this next round of chemo will be effective or not, all sorts of things she doesn't know but she's able to persevere because there are some things that she knows for sure. The kind of things that we read at the end of Romans chapter eight, which she's going to read for us now. And then I'll close in prayer.
1: And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose,
0: Let's pray. Father Ed, thank you uh, for that sister of ours in Christ um, who can read with confidence, not because she knows exactly how stuff is going to go for her in the weeks ahead, but with confidence because of what your word says, of what is ours in Christ of what we can know for sure. And so just as we pray that Amber would be able to persevere and glorify you in the days and weeks ahead, even through things that she would rather not be going through, I pray too that for us, as we face threats and trials, suffering of various kinds, that you would help us to persevere that we would be able to press on not because we have confidence in ourselves and our protection plans but because in the end we remember that you are God and you are great and you are awesome. And so I pray that you would remind us of those things and help us to remind ourselves and one another of those things often throughout this week that we might be able to, by your strength, persevere. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. More information about Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church can be found at our website, www.ifefree.org, or you can call the church office at 641 641- 648-3305, that's www.ifefree.org or 641-648-3305.